Welcome once again into the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 50. We did it. We did it. Loisimos. Yeah, a little throwback there. Dora the Explorer. We enjoy her work. Yes, we have made it to episode number 50, which is important because it marks, you know, you do the math after a year. That's, you know, an episode a week. You've done it. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Please share the word as we make our next 50 even bigger. Subscribe, rate, review, share, do whatever. Uh, do whatever, you know, help out a little bit. We appreciate it. And thanks for the wonderful comments that I've been receiving. It is episode 50, so we're going to have a big guest. I promise not to bring this guy on because he has great new partners at ESPN. And I don't want... We used to have a partnership that... we. When I had this great opportunity to come to LAFC, we we severed that. Uh, it was an it was a highly successful pod at ESPN, Max and Herc. So one time only, we'll be bringing in Hercules Gomez to talk the beautiful game, and we'll have a real conversation. Two Latinos talking about representation, talking about how the sport is covered, talking about the U.S. men's national team. That is coming up at the business end. So please stick around. You're going to enjoy it. I certainly did. Stoppage time will give you a little update on what's happening with some of the U.S. players in Europe. Some big uh, big milestones. In particular, Weston McKinney, who I'll talk about a little bit. Check out the Soccer OG on YouTube. Max Bretos. And I have a video up there about Weston and about the incredible progress he has made and why he is the number one development for U.S. players overseas. Facts. That's right. I'm not a prisoner of the moment, although I certainly act that way many times with my takes. But that is a fact. And yeah, well, look, we have a great show. So let's go. We are back. Uh, I don't want to take too much more time because we have this great interview with Hercules Gomez and get my thoughts on Weston McKinney at the end. A few things to discuss here this week. African Cup of Nations, I hope you're tuning in. An incredible weekend from that competition. Former soccer OG guest, just a few weeks ago, Kai Kamara, wearing the number 10 shirt for Sierra Leone. Sierra Leone ties the Cote d'Ivoire stoppage time equalizer 2-2. By the way, there are four Kamaras that started that game, and there was a fifth Kamara who came off the bench for Sierra Leone who ended up scoring the equalizing goal. No relation. I don't, I don't think they're all re they're related. Uh, but Kamara, very popular name in Sierra Leone, including our guy Kai. So, so happy to have spoken to him. A little bit after that result, Equatorial Guinea, which is the one country in, in Africa that I believe speaks Spanish, is the national language. So, a, guy, a Cuban guy like me, go, hey, ¿qué pasa aquí en Equatorial Guinea, papá? Que, ¿Dónde puedo conseguir un, un almuerzo, huevo frito? All that, I can go there to Equator Equatorial Guinea, speak the language, and get my food. Cerveza! Order a beer. Equatorial Guinea beat Algeria, the favorites in the tournament. So now Sierra Leone's going to play Equatorial Guinea in the final group game and chance for both of them to make it through to the round of 16. Exciting tournament. It means a lot. I love seeing these regional tournaments representing. I know I want everyone to play in a biennial World Cup. But I just look at, I'm happy for Africa. This is excellent. And you can see how big. I saw this another, I think I may have, sorry if I repeated this last week. But there is these images and just showing, you know, Africa is always, is, is very different. Whether you're in the north, the south, the east, the west. Cameroon is hosting it, Western African nation. And Riyad Mahrez from North Africa and Algeria comes out and they... The fans go bananas. He obviously plays at Manchester City. But just seeing that, the connections being made in Africa, warms the cockles of my heart. So great stuff happening there in AFCON. All the leagues are going strong. We're going to see what happens. We have the announcement of the World Cup rosters here early next week, I would imagine. And we will discuss that when it happens. But just want to give our, our guy Kai Kamara a little bit of love. Right now, let's get it going. It's the business end. Joining me, it's Hercules Gomez talking about a great many things.
is, I pointed out earlier, is my 50th Soccer OG podcast. And I, uh, of course, and not my first podcast. Now, the first prominent podcast, and people miss it, was the Max and Herc podcast. And I promised myself I wouldn't lean into Herc here because he does incredible work with different partners, Maris, Mauricio Pedrosa and Sebi Salazar, who are just fantastic and everything they do. So I didn't want to interfere, but I couldn't help myself. And I like to talk to you, and we talk all the time. So I figured, bring him on. Hercules Gomez, the one and only. Thank you, my friend, for joining me on this very special day. For me and for you, I know. It, it just feels right. It just feels right, Max. Look at that. The boys are back. It, people can't see us right now, but if they could, they would see that we both have backgrounds, except my background is exquisite. My is. background is beautiful. I have, to my left, a 17-year-old headshot of Maximiliano Bretos in, in Italy. That was in Miami. So I took that okay. photo in, in Miami for photos so I could go to Milan. Okay. And, How about the one on my right? Uh, that was that was in Milan. Is that Blue Steel or La Tigre? No, that is more... Uh, shoot, what do I call that? Um, I know. It's not Blue Steel. That's, a, a, that's like, where's the closest McDonald's? I don't know. It's... <laughs> Forza Suri. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, actually... One of the things I would like to point this out because I was telling this story to someone, it would just warm my heart because the fashion world is dog eat dog. So okay. when I was there, I got to meet Giorgio Armani. And I also did stuff for Versace. Who's name not, drop. Name, that's what it is. <laughs> we did that Versace. Valentino also I met and he was very nice to me, wanted me to use me for one of his shows, but I had to leave because I had to pursue this career. But Giorgio Armani, I just want to let everyone know what a class act he is. I didn't do any work. It was a cattle call. Everyone was there, and they did the runway in his, his studio. And then everyone did the runway. And, like, that's a big thing, you know. And he's like, and he, I walked off. He goes, grazie, Max. And he knew my name. And he was like, hey. And he was, after that, everyone who worked there, like the security, the janitorial crew, he allowed them to do the walk on the runway. And they were so excited. <laughs> I go, what a nice gesture. So Giorgio cool. Armani is the goods. I wanted to share that story because I remember when Giorgio. I saw it, I go, the security guys walking down like, yeah, look at how I'm a you top know, model. I, I don't know. I don't know how much Italian, you know, uh, but Posso it's been like, well, okay. Just food items and Correct. beer. So all of yeah. that stuff. So, so one of my like New York, New Year's, um, you know, uh, what do they call uh, New Year's uh, resolutions? resolutions thank you sir don't do new uh, year's resolutions don't do no, new year's I, I, I got a bunch i got a bunch but one of them is i'm gonna start learning italiano bonnie there bonnie it's dude if you went there you would learn it right away you just got to do a little yeah, trip because it's, it's actually it's closer to, it's closer to spanish than portuguese i have discovered yeah so i think yeah. that's pretty it's good so uh yeah just wanted to just say what the great work you're doing and uh, i wanted to talk a little bit about just the soccer media and what a breath of fresh air it is because Latinos, it's always been the undiscovered country to have content on the English side. They do a great job on the Spanish side. So all the audience, and we've always tried to get a new soccer audience. And I always thought, why don't we pick off the Spanish language audience and bring it to the English and, and, and call it new viewership because they already like the sport. We give them an option. Okay. I like the Spanish side, but I want the English side. We, we've failed miserably in that. But I think what you've done with Sebi and Mariso is the first really good step towards that, where it feels comfortable, where you argue. We're too nice. Everyone's afraid to insult everyone, you know? You guys, you guys really get after it. You in particular, so, you get after everyone. So I, I've got a few trains of thoughts on this. Um, the first is when it comes to Latinos in this country, I, I've always heard like, we're the future, right? But then mm -hmm. it got to a point where, and we always will be, like, we're never going to get our moment type of deal. You know, you, you see representation. and Just like soccer or, is the sport of the future and it always will be. Dan Patrick correct. once said that. Yeah. But, you know, you, you see representation across the board in, in major companies or, or in Hollywood and, and the representation that comes with it where we're viewed as busboys, gardeners, we're viewed as, you know, narcos, you know, it's is a certain type of stereotype. And when it comes to the consumer in this country, nobody's going to deny that the number one consumer in this country is the young Latino, whether that's Mexican, whether that's Honduran, whether that's Guatemala, whatever it may be, it's that young Latino. It's a coveted, coveted um, spot, you know, it's a coveted uh, consumer. It, it got to the point where 
other people who had no idea of the way we grew up, of, of the things we have gone through, of the culture, started trying to determine what was good for you, what you might like. And can you imagine that to another group? Can you imagine being yeah. fed that line if you're Asian or, or black? Just in general, you know, it's, 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 it's insulting for sure. Um, but it's also ignorance. And, and, and I mean that in the most, you know, caring type of way, because there's some great people in the industry. They just don't know. It's they gotta just be. don't know. Yeah. Yes. So, so I've heard talks too fast, too brash, uh, not type of, you know, not our type of tea type of thing, you know, but this yep. is what we grew up with. I go to football picante and like, I got to come out chest puffed out guns a blazing and ready to like, pow, pow, here you go. Right back at you. Uh, it's dog eat dog. And, and people have grown up with that. People have grown up with that type of atmosphere, not only in the way they consume it, but I don't know about your holidays, but my holidays, like I used to take, I, I used to take a, you know, ex-girlfriends back to the house for Thanksgiving or something. They're like, Oh my God, it's so loud. <laughs> it's just the way we talk. Yeah. You know, that's, it's, it's, it's part of the, it's part of the cultura, part of the culture. So that comes with the sport and especially with the sport. That's when the passion comes out is when you talk to your deals, your primos or your friends and, you know, uh, and, and you start talking about football, you start talking about sport that'll naturally come out. So, you know, um, we did a, a lot of this on Max and Herc, actually. You know, Max and Herc was one of the first ones to actually do the crossover. We started talking about Liga Mekis. You know, we started kind of educating, if you will. I, I remember an episode where we educated, like, the big four teams and equated them to, like, American sports, you know? Like, you have the Dallas Cowboys who would be considered Chivas. You know, you had America who would probably be, you know, uh, the Lakers or whatever the case may be. You know, we, we, we went down that road and we started kind of educating, but that's where you are. And, and now we're here five years later and we're still at that point where, where you have to educate, but less. And you have to do it in a way where you're not talking down to your listener because the fan today is so much more sophisticated, Max. And I'm sure you- 100%, yeah. And, and I think you got to feed that to them. And look, I also want to say about Max and Herc, we first talked about dual nationals and people still talk yeah. about our conversations about Jonathan Gonzalez, which never didn't pan out for him. But I think it was a starting point where now we talk about Julian Araujo and Ricardo Pepe. And it's, 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 it was it's a, a bigger conversation, right? It was, it was a was bigger like, conversation, but yeah. they're unique in their own set. But you've got to approach it on, on both sides equally and fairly. Right. It, it, you've got to you've got to look on both sides of the debate and 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 while looking at this person on an individual basis and what is going into this decision and you know that was I, i'm very proud of all of that as well and look you know to your point i know for a fact that i was told to bring it down a notch my uh uh my broadcast style is more latino based i do it in english and you know i was able to peel it back a bit and i hear sevi doing the same way and i want to encourage him go just go all out man because there's an audience yeah. for that. Maybe some people in power, it's not their cup of tea. Yeah. But they should still go forward. But it, you know. I may, maybe this has hurt me, but the only person that tells me to bring it down a notch is my wife. <laughs> and that's the only person I will, I will listen to. Well, that's uh, good. And, yeah, and, maybe, my... and, and maybe that's hurt me. Maybe that's yeah. cost me, you know, working certain brands or, or, or certain properties um, in, in the past. Uh, but that's, that's who I am. And, and, ESPN hired me for a reason, right? Um, I am who I am. I believe in what I believe, uh, whether it's right or wrong. It's what I believe, whether you agree with it or not. That's that's what ESPN wants, right? They want those. They want a personality. They don't want you to regurgitate something you just saw, something you just heard. They want you to be original. Well, that that's who we are. Uh, and, and there are a lot. There are a lot of people, a lot of kids, a, a lot of uh, participants in this sport and other sports. Who, who feel the same way, who, who have the same takes, and they should be represented as well. So much work needs to be done. I like, I, like I said, five years later, we're still going through this. I just want to bring up uh, you know, the phenomenon that is Ted Lasso. Everyone loves Ted Lasso, and I enjoy it. And I hope when they have season three, they address this. And I'm not picking on Ted Lasso, but I just want to know all the eyes of soccer are watching on it, and they have a powerful platform. And stereotypes have been pretty big throughout. And I've always pointed out when I watch TV or movies, how Latinos are portrayed and they don't, they, they don't misportray a Latino, but when I was watching it and this may be coming out of left field a little bit, I apologize, but the characters are so well-developed every single one. Sam now had a huge development as a, as a black character. 
Um, obviously, the, the English characters are layer after layer. And then, you know, Cristo Fernandez, who his character has been completely undeveloped other than football is life. And I'm like, that's kind of the little things we have to work on. I hope in season three it comes out and it's like, right. He As has he gets a more story. comfortable. Because maybe they're doing that, but I'm just waiting for all of these things for the first shoe to drop. Because once those shoes start to drop on shows and movies and sports, it, it'll all start collapsing. Right. All of it, I think. Yeah, in all fairness to Cristo, because he's an amazing actor, by the way, yeah. and he's an amazing person. Got the chance to interview him for Aura Nunca, the show that I do with Mauricio that you, that you uh, brought up earlier. Name dropper. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll drop Mauricio. the show name for sure. <laughs> Mauricio's not a name. Yeah, so that's my man's. But but Cristo, like you speak to him off camera and he's just as joyful. He's just as exuberant and happy and excited about life as kind of his character is. Uh, and maybe they're doing it because there's a Dutch character as well. And they kind of portray like, hey, you know, the same way they follow into stereotypes. And maybe there's something that you have to work on. I will say uh, any show that brings, you know, hopefully any show that has Latino representation in it can, can shed us in a good light. But any show that brings exposure to a sport in the States that's very much still growing and has that type of reaction um, is good by me, but I agree with you. They, they do hold a responsibility. That said- I think it's a great, it's a, maybe it's not a responsibility, it's a great opportunity. Because they shouldn't have to do anything different. But I'm just, I mean, if I could get into Brendan Hunt's ear, who, who's LAFC season taking on, say, hey, just, he's, I, I have a feeling they have something planned. I'm just yeah, saying that. I don't, I don't, I don't doubt it. Because it, it's know, so it's big. So be, during the pandemic, we're still in a pandemic, but in the beginning of the pandemic, I had the opportunity to interview Jason Sudeikis before this even came out. Uh, they sent me, Apple sent me a screener. Um, Elsie, my, my beautiful wife and I watched it. And I remember we watched the first two episodes and I turned to her and I was like, you want to keep watching it? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. And I was like, all right, it's pretty good. Right. All right. Keep watching it. We killed it. Like in, I don't know, two days. It was, you just, you so... texted me and said, you got to watch this too. And I did. I, yeah, and you were, I said, yeah, you're right. Cause I had a perception yeah. about it. As we're, many we're in did. a chat. We're in a chat with a few other people. And I remember telling you guys, and, and so I watch it and I go to the interview and Jason Sudeikis is there and it's, it's these cyber junkets. So these actors must be this like completely like fed up with talking to people. They talk to like the most boring people, like, you know, uh, writers who are interviewing them for a magazine or a book or whatever, like ET or entertainment tonight or whatever. And here we come here. I come, I should say, cause I'm doing it by myself, ESPN Deportes. And I, uh, you know, I'm like, Hey, Jason, how you doing? Uh, before we even go on air, they're setting them up and I'm like, Hey, uh, from Kansas City, I, I love Oklahoma Joe's, the Z-Man's the bomb. And he was like, oh, no way. And he's like, what were you doing in Kansas City? And I was like, I used to play there. And he's like, what sport? And I said, soccer. He's like, you play soccer? He's like, yeah. He's like, you play for the Sporting Kansas City? I was like, well, before they were Sporting Kansas City. The Wizards. And, uh, yeah. And, and he's like, dude, that, that's awesome. And I was like, yeah, I used to play for the national team as well. He's like, oh, and then he cut me up. Did you watch a show? And I was like, I did. What did you think of the show? Like immediately wanted my opinion on the show. And I was like, honestly, I was pleasantly surprised. We'll get into that in the interview. But I was so surprised at how much heart it had. And it involved loosely the sport, right? But at the root of the sport, that's what it is at football. Whether I was a player or, or today as a pundit, like that's what it's brought me. It's brought me like this, this warm feeling of, of, of camaraderie or togetherness. You know, like I, I retired in 2017 and I went immediately to ESPN actually uh, the 23rd of this month. So in a few days, uh, will be my five-year anniversary at ESPN. And, and I jumped into a group with you, with Timmy, with Rob, with Seb, with Steve Polisi, you know, Pete, all those guys. And it felt like Dan and the FC guys, it felt like a camaraderie again. You know, you'd go out with those guys, you spend time off the field with those guys. And at the root of this sport, it, it, it's that. So they, they managed to capture that. And, and I think that's been the most important thing. That's look, and we need that. And it's funny because I've heard converse, I've had conversations with former ex players, and they have been moved by this show because they can see themselves in these characters. And and uh, it's uh, that's something we've never had. So uh, you know, hats off to all of those to everyone. You're definitely who's made... a Roy Kent. No, I'm too. I'm a sweetheart. <laughs> yeah, but I had friends who don't even know soccer. They're dressing like Roy Kent for Halloween. I go, what an incredible phenomenon. By the way, remember. Uh, I was talking to an old colleague. Remember Kyle Martino had that show? It was like Fox. It was his first show. Do you know who his co-host was on that show? Do you remember that show? It was a, when Fox, so, after I left around 2000. So 
you'll you'll have to excuse me because I was out of the country from oh, like, okay. for like a good but like six years. They did the suit. It was Brendan Hunt, who's a creator of that. He was him and he was the uh, sidekick. I had no uh, idea. Someone reminded it. By the way, should I get Steve Polisi on this podcast? He would never agree. ESPN FC <laughs> producer extraordinaire. To so, me, the smartest guy in the soccer business right he now. He is. He is. So Grant Wall just had Shaw Brown, which is one of the guys who got me into the business, producer who's now at CBS uh, uh, Digital. Um, but Steve is a version of that. And Steve's one of the best people I know that we know. And he's yeah. also like the man when it comes to TV. I reach out to him a lot for advice and he gives me great, and he just knows it and the tenor because, and, I, and that's a good place to pivot about the way things are covered. And obviously we want a, a, a Latino element because for no other reason, there's a dollar sign attached because of this audience, but because it's important to make them that audience right. whole. So we'll do that. But just soccer coverage, Phenomenal. The CBS introduction's been great. They have taken good care of the Champions League and the Serie A. I enjoy the coverage of both. It's another streaming thing, but I get I can, I can deal with it as long as my internet connection was good, which it wasn't today. I have to talk to our folks at Spectrum, but I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have said that. But come on, it's almost every. But so you know, and then obviously you have NBC, ESPN, and more ESPN Plus, and now we have this MLS deal that's I imagine is going to be firmed up here soon. It has to. Yeah. And but what that could mean. I don't know. I mean, but that's, you know, the way we cover it, it's very splintered. Uh, who covers it? Who do we lean into? I mean, we have a long way to go. I think we have to sophisticate the way we talk about it. I think it could be, I think we all have to be more inclusive. And I want to get your thoughts too, because I think we still have that, hey, if you don't like soccer, there's something wrong with you. You know, we kind of give people, and because people give soccer grief, but I think there's a better way to present it and go, hey, this is really cool. Take a look. This is why yeah. you should be interested. I think AFCON's a perfect example. If we had people from, from Africa telling us why this, is, why this game is important, I would love to hear that, but we don't do it. A lot of people are getting into the space. I love what some of these young people on YouTube, like Tactical Manager, who was a, a massive hit yeah, on this Filippo, podcast. Filippo is yeah. uh, Filippo Levinx. I mean, yeah. and, and like creating he, a Filippo, young audience. Yeah, yeah. So, so those I listen are to those guys. guys. Those, those are two guys that for me are prime example of a sophisticated fan, you know, and they're like, you've got to cater to them or they'll call your, your bull crap. Well, well, not just cater, but, but not cater, but you have to communicate correctly while they'll call you out. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and which is great because now you're a proper sport. Now you're a proper football exactly. culture. This happens all over the world. Like these guys are so smart with their takes, so smart with their ideas and they're bold because they put themselves out there. Like the new generation puts themselves out there, Max. Like you and I didn't grow up. We are in the so YouTube safe. Era. We are so safe. You know, I, I'm like, I'm gonna keep it that way. I'm 40, 40. I'm 50, <laughs> I, I turned 50 next April, man. So it's gonna be April a big what? April 11th, big party. I'm April you know? 6th and I'm 40. Well, let's have a. You're coming to my party. No, you're taking a day off work. But I don't want to interrupt. But I, I've played it safe. And let I'm me gonna interrupt keep playing before it safe, you but, say this. Okay. Let me interrupt before you say this. People don't realize we live five blocks away from each other, if not seeing each other, like <laughs> for like a year. I'm so ashamed. Hey, did you okay, get an electric? Ahead. Did you get an electric bike? Why would I have an electric bike? Oh my god, it's game changing. People go, why would you get an electric bike uh, if you can just get a bike? And my response to that: I have a car, Max. Get an electric bike, especially with summer coming. What I do, and I do this at ten o'clock at night, which I would never do on a bike. I ride North Redondo, come down Manhattan Beach Boulevard. I'm, people are people in, listening to this in Philadelphia going, screw you, dude. Go all the way down to the Manhattan Beach Pier, come across the Strand, up the Hermosa Beach Pier and back home. It takes 20 minutes. I'm, you can hang out. We can be a gang. Uh, a bike That'll gang. be our Electric new thing, bike. a bike gang. Okay, fin finish your thought. <laughs> we can fight the Mayans. Finish your thought. <laughs> I forgot what I was... Okay, that we're taking it... I play it very safe, but I like the yeah. fact that we are there's a lightning rod element because like you said in other sports I, I saw it at ESPN the the nine nine years I was there that you can't really play it safe because people will hold you accountable and I think we're being held more accountable and everyone I love is, it everyone's coming into that pot is that accurate yeah and it's funny because like I guess I represent these kids but they represent me you know like at a surface level they're they're the foot soldiers and they represent me and, and these are I mean, I like engaging online and social as long as it's respectful you yeah. know, on, on all sides of the, the fence, the argument, the debate. I, I like being uh, respectful and I like engaging. And there's some really, really smart uh, takes out there. 
not all of them, but some of them are really smart and, and they could be the future of broadcasting. So, so pay attention. It's, it's going to look a lot different and a lot different. And a lot of people say, what do I have to do to get into broadcasting? I go exhibit a, be passionate, watch a lot, a lot of, watch soccer all day. So you can get your own opinions, go to YouTube and watch some of the old stuff as well. So that you have be, a be, point of reference. So Ted Lasso, be curious. I mean, be curious. I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought I would be hosting an all sports show in Spanish when I was growing up. And, you know, one thing led to another and I was curious and I was bold enough to accept the challenge and it worked out and I was bold enough to move. And so just be curious, you know, things can, good things can happen if, if you're open. And, and make your own opinion. Don't feel like, like you have to say what someone's saying, go out there and say, you know what, trust your instincts. And right. I, I think it's that all goes into the pot and makes this whole soccer media thing a lot better because look, us old dogs, we need a, a redirect, and it's a good feeling that it's happening because we, you know, it's it happened so quickly. I mean, I, do you have a date where you remember how small time soccer was? I'll remember for me it was the nineteen ninety World Cup, and it was on TBS. And it was like Ernie Johnson was like hosting it. And then they brought in their analyst was Mick Luckhurst. And, you know, Turner is obviously in Atlanta. Mick Luckhurst was an English kicker of the Falcons. So that was the best option they had, which was fine. And they didn't show all the games. They showed some of the games. And then I would watch it in Spanish with Andres Cantor. It's amazing that he's been here. What a, how fortunate. Yeah. To have that. Le- legend. Yeah. Watch, watching in, in certainly 1990 I remember and then 94 and then it's just photographic with that but on the English side do you remember something where you, uh, you know renting videotapes at Blockbuster to watch games do you remember yeah, having- so so I remember um there's a reason I'm a man man United fan a Manchester United fan that was like my first European club was because back in the day we used to get one game a week it was like Saturday morning right and it was mainly it was that like crazy 90s team of Manchester United you know, it was Ryan Giggs, it was Paul Scholes, it was David Beckham, it was Sheringham, it was Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, you know, that team, Sir Alex Ferguson is like ridiculous team. And that's the only game you'd get, you know, like it was the game of the week and, and that's the game you got to watch. And then also remember there was some crazy kook, he was way old, who used to Uh-oh. do games, Argentina games in English. And oh, scream, yeah, but I was like six years old. So yeah. <laughs> I, that's that's when I knew I this is what I wanted to do. I did the Clásico del Domingo, and it was Boca Boca River, and I think River was up three zip, and then Boca tied it. And I go, I didn't do that game. I broadcast the two weeks later. The first one I believe was San Lorenzo Independiente. So they had the big names. That was the first broadcast I did. But that Boca River game was the hook, and it was uh, Marcelo Arajo was the broadcaster. And I go, this is what I want to do. This is it. This is it. So yeah. That's the start, man. It's so. It's can been I tell you me. something? So we're both in this world. Like we're huge MMA fans, right? I remember my brother used to be a an MMA fighter. He got to the UFC, had a few fights. Yuli, yeah, Yuli, uh, Tachi Palace, two time champ, two division champ. But I remember when we were in high school having to go to a Hollywood video, not blockbuster video, where we both worked, by the way, uh, later on. But we would have to go to like this back room. Not that back room, but a back room where UFC one, two, three, these videos were where they were like NC 17, like not just like they weren't in public and you rent these UFC videos and it was like renting a pay-per-view event and we used to go back home and watch and we're like, wow, this is insane. This is crazy. Ken Shamrock, you know, Hoist Gracie, like all these crazy tank, you know, Tank Abbott, all these crazy fighters like back in the day doing their thing. And it's funny to see how massive ufc has gotten maybe it's because it's singular it's one company and it's easier to kind of you know export to the world type of type of thing but there should be no reason that ufc has gotten so massive in the states and soccer is massive but not at the same rate i mean if we think about the most watched leagues here in the states it's not major league soccer it's not the premier league it's not la liga it's not even the champions league it's Liga MX. It's the Mexican Soccer League. So UFC has, in a short amount of time, done what most soccer leagues wish they could do here in the States. Um, and it's crazy to see. And maybe a lot of that is we haven't gone about it the right way, but I see it now. Uh, we're going we're gonna, to uh, break out some interviews in, in uh, Football Americas uh, with 
national team players like road to kind of Qatar type. And I, I just screened the Matt Turner interview and I'm probably get in trouble for, for saying this, but Matt, Matt Turner had a, a quote that I was listening to last night. And I, I kind of got chills off. I was like, Holy, like, Holy. What do you really? say? He was just like, Can you share I, it here. I will. He was just like, I was watching the 2010 world cup and that just turned me on. You know, the U S men's national team in that world cup turned me really on to trying to be a footballer until that moment. I'd never really given soccer a thought of something I could pursue. And I'm thinking to myself, that wasn't that long. That wasn't that I, long. That, that, that was my it? world. That was my world cup. Be a you know, like I played in that world cup. I was, you know, I started games in that world. Like, that, you know, I'm thinking to myself like, wow, this is crazy. So we're getting to that point, not fast enough, but we're getting there. And with all these sophisticated fans, we will soon be there. But if you look at the, the stark contrast between both, I guess, entities, the, the, um, the soccer you could bring here in the States and what is UFC, like UFC's just crushed it. I remember those, I remember UFC one, two, and three. And I worked for Campbell McLaren who created UFC back in the day, but those tapes were, those were, they were not safe for work, man. You, you would see guys, <laughs> eyeballs coming out. It was like, but I, I'll I still watch it, bad. but there was this, there was a, no, but it was because it was so taboo. You'd watch it. Like, is anyone, can I pop this in? And it was, that was you know quite what it, a You know what it was? The MMA, the mixed martial artist wasn't as well-rounded as it is today. So you'd get a guy that clearly wasn't, you know, uh, and they didn't have weight divisions, by the way, yeah. which was a big mistake, but they're just more well-rounded athletes. And there's being, being, I was, I've been in my brother's corner a few fights and, and the amount of respect, like the culture is so respectful. The amount of respect these fighters show to each other, a lot of what you see on TV is show, but behind the scenes, the respect level is insane. I'm glad I'm in that business as well, because, and you know what, talking to the fighters, they're really intelligent people. A lot of them yeah. are college educated. You'll have a real conversation. Not you too smart. Get, They're taking not, blows to the head for a living, but no, I'm just true. Kidding. But man, some of, the <laughs> I soccer people, brother that. some of the soccer people I interviewed, I put MMA at least one. No, they're, they're in incredibly intelligent, <laughs> honestly. Are. So looking at how the growth can happen and it's going to be slow growth. And I know we have a thread when the ratings come out and we're like, this is going to be huge. And it's like 200,000 viewers right. on a linear three. And you're like, ugh. And then we're afraid if it goes on the streaming service, how are you going to promote these games? Because if it's not on ESPN or ESPN or Big Fox, no one's going to notice it exists. They're going to have to look for it and they're, they don't want to look. Right. So I don't know. And look, the rights fees, $2 billion for the Premier League. Unheard of. As right. I said on this before, I used to have the Premier League at Fox and it was free to, to <laughs> put over the air pretty much. I think it was a million bucks, which is basically free in TV terms. 800 million for La Liga and we'll, we'll see. And everything else is kind of falling because there's a bidding war. I don't think the numbers are going to go up. The only thing that I think, and you touched on it about the U.S. men's national team that can really quicken that pace is that group of players. If they, if they succeed in 2022, which I think they'll do well, and we'll talk about that here shortly, then 2026 when they host it with a group of players that are playing here, you know, Serginho Dest, maybe. Can you imagine watching Chelsea have Pulisic and Dest? And I want to talk about both of them as well. But I'd hate it. That, but that, <laughs> that kind of thing, where you watch the national team, they're successful, they're fun to watch, which they are, and then they're playing on these clubs, and you'll tune into the clubs. I think we're seeing something there that could yeah. pick but up as, the interest. As far as, as far as it being equatable to, to TV rights, you have to keep this in mind. Like, I mean, ESPN, we got one more game on the 27th, which, by the way, Football Americas will be there against El Salvador and Columbus uh, for the U.S. men's national team, pre and post. Uh, but then you won't have any more games like ESPN won't have any that's a good games, promo, right? Yeah. <laughs> but so ESPN won't have any more games. They'll go one Fox, one CBS, because it's a, it's a road game, right? Um, in Mexico. And you're thinking, all right, potentially they qualify for the world cup, the next world cup Well, their host 2026 with Canada and Mexico. So they're, they won't even have qualifying. So what are you buying? Like if you're, a, if, if you're a TV network, what are you buying friendlies or you're banking on, the world cup you know like like which if you think about it it's foxes so if you're all these other companies like what are you buying so that could be i don't want to say detriment but that that's a, a stumbling block as, as far as like increasing said value and it's it could be circumstantial because of the timing or whatnot but yeah um the fact that major league soccer and u.s men's national team um aren't grouped together in, in a package deal is good absolutely you know because they both need to be separate but it, it it also could hurt Major League Soccer and what they could garner in 
you know, for U.S. men's national team, like you, especially these next six, seven years, could be tricky. Look, I was at ESPN when uh, the World Cup happened in 2018. USA wasn't there. And look, ESPN basically passed on World Cup coverage. They didn't get highlights. They said, no, it's not our airwaves and USA is not in there. If USA was in there, it may have been different. But I, I was there and I was like, whoa, it's like, don't even focus on it. You'll have some things here, but we're going to move forward with our programming, which is the, probably a sensical choice. But it was weird that we, we everyone has to be aligned there too. And I'm not sure if we're at that point. With MLS, League MX, obviously MLS is going to come into a new era and they're partnering. Do you think that gives it a little bit more shine that these games, the League's Cup games, will draw fans and make fans? Yes. I do because it draws. That's why they do this, right? Like if you look at the all-star game, the all-star game drew well. If you look at the U.S. men's national team versus, you know, Mexico games, they draw well on both sides. People are interested. They could trash whatever you want about the rivalry or whatever you want about like, oh, um, it gets diluted. People, they're still tuning in. That's the reality. And that's, that's why these things are happening. So yeah, an interleague of play tournament, this World Cup style, I, I definitely think people are going to tune in. What gets murky uh, I know you've touched upon it. Um, this all of a sudden new formatted World Cup where it's every two years, if that does come to play, like how it affects a Gold Cup, a confederational tournament, how it affects tournaments like CONCACAF Champions League, how it affect like the League's Cup, how it affect et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Moving on, Champions League, you know, it, Euros, or Libertadores, uh, you know, Copa America, you know, all these Sudamericana, it's just like, wow, what do you do? And, and it's just, I don't know if I have the answer, if anybody has the, the immediate answer for that. Do, do you think we're going to have a Bino World Cup? I hope not. Do you, as a, for, as so a you former don't want player? One. No, as a former player, why would you want one? Like, I, I, I give you a good reason. All right. So it's, it's all about perspective. And I, I, it was reinforced to me when I saw the treatment of AFCON uh, from the European leagues. I think when we talk about a quadrennial, everyone in America, they go, don't ruin it. It's going to ruin it every four years. To me, if CONCACAF, if Africa, if Asia, Oceania wants to keep pace, because I already see Comebol and UEFA partnering with this Nations League, they know they have something great. The Euros felt like a World Cup. If the only chance those regions have to sort of stay on the bumper of those bigger federations is a, is a binding World Cup. It's the only thing I've heard that puts those federations on a pedestal because we should still have Gold Cup and AFCON and the Asian Cup. But in, in the big picture of things, people don't pay attention. They don't care uh, in many ways. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good enough reason. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's I'll, it's I mean, a part of the reason why I'm on board because I'm, I'm fighting for the little guy, Herc. I know you're the conglomerate. But people well, think I'm fighting well, for the on, big guy and the money because it's FIFA. How how many, how many teams are going to be in these World Cups? Like 48? Well, so, this so is their only chance to shoot, to well, have that target of UA. There's your fighting for the little guy. They just opened up you know, the playing field. more. But it's more every, once every four in. years. Well, that's the World Cup. It's like saying, hey, it's unfair for Belize that they don't have a competitive you know, sprinter. So let's, let's try to make it every two years and see if they can get one. I would that's, say, not how you, that's, not the, that's not the spirit of sport. I would like 32-team World Cup every two years so it's still hard to get into but all those federations you, have a shot at the do, big boys what are you going to do with gold cup because if you talk about helping the little guy out like if there's no confederational tournament you know what happens the money you earn there for these confederate for these teams within those confederations like it's 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 detrimental like there's it's already a saturated calendar to begin with look i was a footballer and i had some years 2013 i i think i played like 13 something games for the national team, like some, you know, like 13 straight starts for, for Jurgen or something like that. And games that I didn't play like trips and whatnot. I had Conca champions. I had a uh, league play. I mean, I think I played close to 60 games that year. You know, it, it's, it's, and, and imagine like you, you're going to have to trim some games. I, I You'll have a gold cup. You trim every... games and you eliminate the gate. You eliminate the sponsors. You're talking about help. So what I'm saying is like, you're talking about helping the little guy. Like you're, you're kind of like pulling the rug out from beneath them. You know, you, 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 you find those confederational tournaments to help you in the qualifying. You do that every odd year. You do the world cup every even year. I think the money that you would earn in the regional areas 
would pale in comparison if there was a second World Cup every four years where you could get a bidding to host it for the marketing. I know it doesn't always go in the right set of hands, but it's it, it doesn't go in the well, right set of hands now. Maybe there are more questions than, than answers, but like, will it devalue the World Cup for sponsors? Because every four years you want to get in there because it's, it's like such a prime spectacle, right? Uh, let me tell you why selfishly as a former player, I would not want it every two years. Um, I, per, I pertain right now to a select and exclusive group. You know, I am one of 23 players in a country of over like 340 or 60 million that made it to represent my country in a tournament that's every four years. Times, how many your teams were there by 23? Like I pertain to select group of players around the world, a, a very minimal percentage that's, that can say they've gotten to play in a World Cup. Adding more World Cups add, just dilutes that for me. Like it, it, it devalues the achievement for me. Do you know what I mean? I, I listen. I and I am. I don't think there's a discussion to be. That's a hundred percent accurate. And look, World Cups every two years. Four four years is such an incredible amount of time to anticipate. And hosting that World Cup will diminish if you do this. The trophy lift every two years. Right. Without question. And I think that things will be. There will be some collateral damage. I just it feels like the walls are closing in with the money and the sports. And my other issue with the biennial world cup, and I truly believe this, if FIFA doesn't move in on that, someone else will. That's why this nation's league thing, I was like, Hmm, what if Saudi Arabia wants to host these super league games? Like they did with Boca with uh, Barcelona and uh, Real Madrid, there's money to be spent and they're going to keep encroaching. It's going to come from some way. And I would rather see a biennial world cup than some concoction driven by money from somewhere else that is going to not be inclusive. The World Cup has to be inclusive. Maybe right now, since we don't have all the information at hand, there's more just questions than answers, right? Right. Okay. And I didn't think I was going to bring this up, but I just like talking about it because it's good conversation. (laughs) You've been very viable your time. I want to talk a little U.S. soccer. All right. Uh, The two big topics. And look, you have to be, you heard it from me first about Serginho Des getting blamed for everything. Right, because I heard you say and I heard everyone say, but I was the first to bring that up because he got blamed for everything at Barcelona. Do you want to acknowledge that? Uh, no, I'm not going <laughs> to acknowledge you. You're the first to say it. What are you, how old are you, Max? You're, you're, you're 50. You're almost 50. Uh, <laughs> no, but, okay. um, but he is. Am I wrong? Because I, I, I have no, these you're, friends. You're, you're not wrong. I so, have these friends who love to go, look at Danny Elvis doing what Sergio Dest can. I go, what? He had a great game. And then he had a crappy game this week. And I go, look, that's the problem when you're 40 years old. You can't play like that every week. Right. It's He's a scapegoat. Right? And the- he is, he is, but are you surprised? I mean, I said this last night on the episode, on, on our Football Americas episode, like the moment that Ronald Koeman is let go, the writing was on the wall for Serginho Dest. He was always going to be labeled a Koeman guy. I mean, Koeman- But there are, there are the- other Koeman guys that are not getting this treatment. But he recruited him for the national team. He recruited him for Barcelona. He, he pigeonholed him in, in a different position, forced him to play there. He played there, didn't play well. And then he gets let go. Like, what do you, what do you think is going to happen? You know, what, what do you think? Like, Xavi's just going to be like, ah, you're one of my guys now. You know, he's going to want his own players, his own system. He's going to want his own brand, his own kind of stamp on things. And if Sergio, and this is the most important thing, Alex Pareja was on with us last night. And he was just like, listen, Fortunately and unfortunately for Serginho these days, he's one of the few players that has market value on that team that they could sell. Yes. They could probably get upwards of 20 million euros for him right now. And that's on the minimum side of things, you know? Uh, so, so they're actively trying to get him out because they desperately need money. Well, if they want to help the market value, they didn't do a good job of that. I mean, what's the whole idea of the shop window making them look, Hey, look what he can do, but kind of, and the granny's had some injuries. Right, but this whole thing where it's it, it the and the press is I mean if the Barcelona press you're not helping your club by diminishing him uh, because an offer that could have been say 20 million 25 million that's maybe that's pie in the sky may not be that much even though he's valued around that correct yeah but that's the game today and we got to remember we're well, in a Barcelona's era. being sloppy if that's the case. Well, but they've been sloppy. They, they let them match. They, <laughs> That's they, an they, let, they let Lionel Messi go. Like hit Laporte, John Laporta's campaign was retaining Messi. The whole thing was around Messi, and the first thing he does when he's president is he manages to let him go. You know, so it's it's built on 
you know, a house of lies is built on a house of cards. It's a house of cards right now for them. And they could say what they want, Fernando Torres, they want Erling Haaland, they want, you know, all these different players. They don't have the money. But why are we, why are we being exposed to these rumors? And they seem more than rumors. But Erling Haaland to Barcelona? Now, but but How like about getting, them, a- getting them, they had, a, Umtiti had to restructure his deal. And like, it's just, it's just crazy. Like, it's- How about taking a year off, Barcelona? Take your well, whooping, they- take your whooping. And then come back know. with a clean slate. I don't know if they could survive. I mean, they're Europa League oh, right now. I know they'll you survive. Know, they're they're a point, I believe, out of Champions League. Like they're 17 points away from Madrid. You know, like yeah, I don't think I don't, I don't know. I don't think they're gonna make the Champions League, which is they're not supposed to after a uh, cataclysmic situation. Yeah, that they had. but that that affects you, Max, because I understand player, if but you're you've a player, got... you're gonna be like, do I want to play Barcelona and not play Champions League? Well, Barcelona has to prepare years for that in my life. They got to prepare for that. Maybe in it two years ago, here's the re- they're trying to, they're, they're you know that the idea of kind of hit rock bottom and then rebuilds like U.S. men's national team did, and now it's, they're reaping the benefit talent wise. You got to kind of hit that spot, like, and then you'll have a more clear approach to building this team as opposed to kind of fitting it where it may not fit. Anyhow, that's a that's another discussion for a longer day. Christian Pulisic. Yes, he's going to be at Chelsea. He's been playing a lot now, which is great. Playing out of position, uh, I want him to find another club. It's just not a good fit. Tuchel's great. Chelsea's fantastic. European champs. Uh, I just see a guy that cannot express himself, and maybe this is short term. I would imagine it is, but when the when push comes to shove and you're picking your wingers, it seems like Callum Hudson Odoi and even Mason Mount, who kind of doesn't play that, but to some degree or Hakim Ziyech, they always are ahead of him in the pecking order. Maybe they don't play a wide back, a right wide defender better, or a false nine better than Christian Pulisic, who doesn't really play either one of those that well. But the fact that he's still the guy who does that worries me a lot. It's kind of cooling off here, and he's getting minutes, and he's healthy, and that's the good news. But this next couple months are going to be key, and I want to see him get a little angry if it's not going his way, because he shouldn't be satisfied for this. So, first off, like, you mentioned all these players, and, like, none of them are, are out-and-out wingers. Like, you know, Christian Pulisic's kind of like a free-roaming winger, you know? Let him, let him go on the left side, cut in, let him, let him play make type of deal. But he's being pigeonholed, and I understand that the system, this, this three-man back line where, where the wingbacks are kind of very – they're very important to Tuchel's offensive system, and it's more possession-based. It's not parking the bus. It's still – very boring and Reese James has been very good for them and Chilwell is you know like there's no moving these these outside backs everybody's healthy for me you know and then you look at the the he uses inverted wingers behind a false nine it should be a real nine but he's been using a false nine and so you have let's say it's Lukaku behind him you could have Mason Mount you could have ZH or you could have Kai Havertz or you could have you know uh uh they the other german came from leipzig oh my goodness timo Werner. you could you know so th- there could be a plethora of options you know? and then hudson odoy where do you plug him in and then christian my problem is he still sees and he being thomas tuchel still sees christian pulisic as the 16 year old he gave a chance to at dortmund as the guy he Great brought into the first team yeah. you know he, he, he and you can see it in the way he talks about him you can see it in the way he expresses with them you can see it in in the trust level he gives them in other positions like you play players in those positions that one he's got to be a swiss army knife like a navas for sevilla okay maybe not or a player you think like isn't that important to you in another position like if you thought christian Pulisic was so valuable as a inverted winger behind one of those forwards he wouldn't be moved and he's also got this way of let's be honest at chelsea he's got a way of keeping players uncomfortable and what i mean by that is like I don't want to say rotation, but he's got a way of oh, just he's, he's messing got him. with the players. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like he's got no him by player, the short and curly. Right, no player really feels safe there. And I don't know if that's a situation. And then by all means, I, I encourage players never, never never, to feel in a comfort zone. Like they're in there and it's for sure. And always to keep working and stay hungry. But he's got he's got it to where it feels like they're, he's messing with these players' heads, even if he's not doing it on purpose. Uh, so it's, it's not an ideal situation, especially a, a year out from a – from a world cup it's a world cup year so ideally you'd want to see him somewhere where you could thrive the problem is christian Pulisic was brought in for 75 million dollars yeah. there's a huge transfer over his head will he go on loan somewhere probably not yeah. will he be transferred somewhere probably not chelsea would want to see somewhat of a return 
Uh, and he's also commands a pretty high salary. So, you know, those are things that are keeping him from going elsewhere. Um, that said, Chelsea are still a very good team. He seems to be when given a chance at any position to, to surprise. And I don't want to say surprise because that we shouldn't be surprised, but he seems to be a, an effective player and shows good things anywhere he's at. I would just rather somewhere where I know he's going to be taken care of, valued, and where I think he could be at his optimum prime in terms of confidence heading into World Cup. I think it's a good point about keeping players scared because I think they do perform well in those circumstances unless they're Cristiano Ronaldo or someone. Because that's how I was at ESPN. They kept you kind of scared. Hey, you want to work on that shift? I go, yes, yes, anything. So it's good. Before I let you go, how does the uh, World Cup qualifying finish? Who, who goes to the World Cup in what order, if you have, if you have an idea? So huge news, Alfonso Davies is, is oh, out for, awful. for Yeah. He's um, not going to play this window. With, with, no. with that, an inflammation of the heart of muscle, the heart. that's not happening. Yeah, um, he won't play this window. That could have huge ramifications for Canada, who's been just very, very good. John Herman's so good tactically, yep. and he sets his team up to. He was my soccer OG coach of the year, by the result. way. I'm making a trophy for him. I'm going to present it to him to get big time results. I, I had I had it going down this way because Mexico has four of the next six games at home. I have Mexico number one. Uh, I had U.S. number two and Canada number three. Um, and I who did I have? I had. Who was my fourth team? Was it Panama? Was it Jamaica or Costa Rica? Costa Rica is going to get a lot of wins then. Hopefully not against the U.S. We we struggle against them. We're playing at their place. No, it has to be Panama. Panama. I had Panama. Yeah, I had Panama. Panama's going to have to screw because they're they're already they're already fourteen points right now. So they you know uh, the gap's a little big. But that said, people will be surprised. And I said this initially. Like I think it's going to be a three way tie. Maybe that changes now with Canada, but I have the U.S.-Mexico game in Azteca as a draw. I have the Jamaica game um, as a draw in, in Jamaica. Uh, then I have them taking care of business with the other games at home. And Honduras, the last game for Mexico is a toss-up. But if they lose, like it could be a situation where there's a three-way tie between all of them based on results and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I would not be surprised. My, my one, two, and three is Mexico, USA, Canada, just Mexico's got four games at home. You'd assume they take care of business. I said the same thing. And people were giving me grief. I go four games at home. Even two of them are going to be empty. Mexico's going to be like, they had a rough go to play it was Canada, empty USA. Jamaica, that was me- they beat Jamaica, you know, and they have all these road games. I think I had Mexico, 28 points, Canada, 26, USA, 25, but I say Canada beats USA on January the 30th. However, the Alfonso Davies could change that. If the USA gets a tie, they'll probably move into second, which is good. Yeah, It's going to be fun to watch. And it's going to be fun to see those three go to the World Cup. Hercules, uh, invite me to dinner whenever you'd like. I'm available. And get oh. your electric bike. Let's cause some havoc in uh, the South Bay. <laughs> it's a handsome devil. As, my, is, uh, as my, my friend Brent says, he goes, how many, how many whiskeys ago was that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, this is in your go-go days. Yes. Right, thanks for having me, man. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I love it, man. You're easy to talk to. Hercules Gomez, uh, just an American soccer icon on the field and off here in the business. And we'll be back in stoppage time to wrap it all up. Now for stoppage time, we will delve into the U.S. men's national team. Daryl DK comes off the bench to play for West Brom, puts in some heavy minutes, looking good, clearly has the trust of his manager. They lost the game, but still important games coming for him, which I think is going to really help his opportunity to break through and maybe not make these January, February qualifiers, but certainly make the World Cup roster which I think is going to look very different than what we saw end 2021. There's a lot of guys on there that were there to help the qualifying process. But by the time the World Cup rolls around, it's such a competitive team that as much as you want to make these guys whole and and reward them for what they did in qualifying, you can't. You know, This is the World Cup, and there's a pecking order developing. So it's very, very cool, and it's getting more and more tricky for Greg Berhalter. So... We'll see about the fringe players who makes it. There are some injuries. There is some some guys that aren't playing regularly. Uh, Ricardo Pepe got his first start, went 80 minutes, looked solid for Augsburg, looked involved, had a goal disallowed, but uh, 
really good. The fact that he starts and the fact that he was, you know, they, they tied on track Frankfurt, which is a good team. It's a good team. It's developed a lot of good players over the last few years. And he's going to face a lot of good opposition, as we said. So good stuff across the board. Christian Pulisic starts for Chelsea in one of the big games of the weekend against Manchester City in a position that he's more comfortable with. You can see how important Thomas Tuchel relies on him. Um, I would say that he still needs to get out of there. I, I think there's a there's an environment there that it's going to blow up. And this Romelu Lukaku situation has ter- certainly made it a little bit more clear to me. Uh, publicly talking about the deficiencies of Lukaku to the press, which was you know, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. It was an un- throwing a guy under the bus moment. And I'm, I'm all for being honest, but those that's not for public consumption. And if it could be Lukaku, it could be anyone. I know you want to publicly challenge these guys, but no, no. And it almost sounded like he blamed Lukaku for the defeat, which was, it was a good Chelsea performance. Basic, you know, they played well against Liverpool after they fell down two goals. They played well here. Their schedule will get better, but they've got to beat these teams that they're supposed to. But they're not catching Manchester City. Uh, Right now, it's all about protecting what they have and potentially making a run in the Champions League. There will be no trophies for the Blues this season unless they win the League Cup, which they have a very good shot of doing. I want to talk about Weston McKinney because I cannot believe what I have seen. And I will talk in more detail about McKinney on the Soccer OG on YouTube under Max Barretos. Check out our videos. Thanks for everyone who's tuned in. Really pleased with the numbers we're getting there. A thousand views on every video. Let's get it to let's get it to two thousand. Some videos get there when we we talk about the U.S. Men's National Team. We go way over that. But you know, if I can do this regularly, it's a good sign. And I take a lot of pride in the content I provide you. It's well thought, well researched. No shortcuts. No shortcuts. Weston McKinney has become the best story for a U.S. men's national team player. I know. Wait, what? Think about all these things we've experienced. Christian Pulisic going to Chelsea, winning a Champions League. Gio Reyna going to Dortmund and playing with these heavy hitters. Serginho Dest signing with Barcelona. Uh, Ricardo Pepe being sold for $20 million. Daryl DK succeeding at Barnsley. All these things that go into the pot that do well. What Weston McKinney is doing at Juventus supersedes them all because he's been irreplaceable. I don't think there's an American player out there that you can say that about, especially playing for a club of the stature of La Vecchia Signora, the old lady of Italian football. He is. This is a club that is going to win trophies that have an incredible star-studded team, and he has become their best midfielder. I'm not saying that because I'm American. He's getting the highest ratings of... Of the entire Juventus player, he was the best-rated player against Inter in the Supercopa where he scored a goal. Scored another goal against Udinese. You look at the midfielders. Kulusevski, Artur, Betancourt, Locatelli, Ramsey, Rabio. Weston McKinney is their most valuable asset. There were talks about selling him. They can't sell him now in January. They need him. They have a big Champions League spot coming up late February against Villarreal. And he is going to be one of the key players. I can't remember discussing anyone of this in these strokes. Weston McKinney is, and he's also on the Juventus reality show on Amazon Prime where he's, you can see the personality and the humor and look, he's, he's an open book. And maybe that's what got him in trouble in September when he was thrown off the U.S. camp. I truly believe that. People wanted to throw the book at him. I remember that and I had my jaw drop. I go, what? It's a kid. He's 23. Let's see how he reacts. And how has he reacted to being dropped in September? He has reacted in the best way possible. He has reacted where he has become a man. He has reacted where he has said, I will take the responsibility. I will I will clean up my house. I mean, could he fall off and do something dumb again? Sure. But there's no indicators that that's going to happen. Since that suspension in September, he has turned the corner in a way that none of us would have seen. Where we're saying, okay, rumors of going to the Premier League, yeah, you know, Juventus bought him for $23 million. His value is closer to $30 million now. So the Juventus are going to make money off him. In this marketplace, that's good. 
Now, if the way he's playing, if he wants to go to Tottenham Hotspur, they are going to have to offer 35, 40 million. Juventus are nope. That's not a bad club to be with. So Weston McKinney has inspired me more than any other U.S. player to date. It's an incredible development. And it's awesome to watch him. We have we get to we got to watch him twice this week and score goals in both games. Pinch yourself. This doesn't happen. And in the nick of time, superstar emerging, Weston McKinney. Thanks, everyone. 50 shows. I remember when I started this and I was like, oh, what are we going to do? Is this going to work? What's the format going to be? We've eased into a nice one. We've had incredible guests. I, you cannot say we haven't. I would put my guest list up against anybody. Anybody. And the list is going to get better because we are growing something very nice. So I appreciate you could say you were here from the beginning and we'll take it from here. The Soccer OG podcast where all podcasts are available. Rate, review, subscribe, share. Check out the Soccer OG on YouTube under Max Bretos and enjoy for your viewing pleasure. Have a great Martin Luther King holiday weekend. Spend some time thinking of Dr. King. Placido Domingo. Domingo.